Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey, what's happening, Rush Nation? It is the flagship show. It is another podcast from us. And you can see if you're watching this on the video, I'm not joined by Stocks this week. Stocks is... I'm sure you heard last week was pretty unwell and uh yeah he's not uh not done any better this week so he is on ir for this week but don't worry i'm not alone i've got an amazing guest i got one of my absolute favorite people in the industry one of my very very close friends as well so really pleased he's uh come in and helped me out in a jam here so uh for those of you that don't know he is the uh head honcho i guess of the Fordo media company and uh <laughs> one of the trio with uh good friends of the show uh, Nick and Mark. It is Jack Humphrey. Most of you will know who he is. If you don't, then you're missing out. Jack, welcome back to Five Year Rush. Thanks for bailing me out. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, well, good. That was a lovely introduction. I'm going to um, remind Nick that he has to in, like, introduce me like that every week on the show going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's only fair. I mean, like, listen, yeah. you get to introduce him as Adam Peaty, so, like, he should definitely <laughs> return the favour. <laughs> Yeah, no, he should. He should. Um, if he turns up, to be fair, he doesn't. He, you know, half the time he doesn't turn up. So, <laughs> I, I love you, Nick. Too, he's too busy. He's too busy winning at DFS at the moment, yeah. isn't he? So he's just loving life too much. He oh, is. Nate's he's enjoying Hi, himself. Yeah, he is. He's enjoying himself far, far too much at the moment. But um, it's it's good to have you here. I think uh, I'll get the get the read out of the way, and then we'll we'll get a bit more into it. So this week's show is brought to you as always by Manscaped. Listen, we're at that time of the year now where people are thinking about Christmas presents and talked about it before, but the Lawmower 4.0 is an elite product, but uh, let's talk about the hedge trimmer. It's a really, really great tool, 
great for maintaining your beard. So you can have a beard as luscious as Jack's on the screen, or you can have one slightly more trimmed like mine because you can't deal with it being that full. Uh, either way, the head trimmer will allow you to uh, maintain that beard at great length and you can look just as beautiful as Jack and I. Um, so if you've got a nearest and dearest or you've got friends who need a bit of help in that department, uh, check out manscaped.com. Um, with the code five yards, you get 20% off plus free global shipping. So do check out manscaped.com uh, for all the goodies there, and you get 20% off absolutely everything. So do take advantage. Um, yeah, so welcome back. It's been a while. Um, you since we've last spoken, you've launched a new show. We mentioned it at the top, um, for Doe Media. You start with the golf, and then yep. uh, you've moved back into NFL, which is great. It's a much needed area, uh, focusing more on DFS, but. For those who perhaps haven't heard the show, um, mainly for those probably uh, internationally, um, what uh, yeah, what, what is the show? What do you kind of break down? What are some of the things you're you're talking about at the moment? We're, so basically, we, we wanted to move away. We all agreed in the off season that we didn't want to be a pick show. Um, there's a lot of content out there at the minute, like pick shows, and that's fine. You know, it's it's not to get anyone. Like, there's some really great shows that do picks and plays and um, things like that, but. We all agreed as as free hosts that we wanted to move into a different direction. So we just want to be a strategy show and teach people how to play DFS. That's it, you know. Like, and by teaching people, you know, we've we've had some successful people. A friend of our show, David Bailey, he finished thirty third in the Millie Maker the other week and won two and a half thousand dollars. Like, um, you know, like, and it, you know, he's he's put that down to lessons that he's learned from us and things like that. So you know, that's. That's all we basically want to be is a, just a strategy strategy show. And, you know, between me, Mark and Nick, we've been playing DFS for, for about 15 years between the between the three of us. So there's a lot of knowledge there. And, you know, we've got multiple t- takedowns between us and mm-hmm. things like that. So, yeah, we believe, you know, there's a gap in the market and we wanted to mm-hmm. um, exploit it, so to speak. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is where you and I get on so well. We went to the NFL game in London together and we talked about how, you know, again, as you say, it's nothing against picks. And I said this on yesterday's strategy podcast that I've just uh, started doing for that reason of there is so many things. And like you could tell people to pick players up and not pick players up and, and all of this. Right. And I think it's fine. But ultimately, it doesn't help people become better fantasy players. And as I said on yesterday's show, the whole point of my show yesterday was exactly that giving people the tools to gateway off our content, ironically, yeah. into other things and becoming more successful. And yours is exactly the same. And both you and I hate groupthink. We hate the fact that people tend to look for approval from others and follow yeah. other people's picks because it becomes obvious. And actually, to people like you and I, we exploit that because you can see what people are doing. You can see the trends they're following. You can probably guess the cheat sheets or the guides that they're following. Yeah. You know what their strategy is going to be and you gain that advantage. And it's about being contrarian, coming up with something different, doing something different. It's going to yield a better return in the long run. Yes, you might suffer some short term losses and some short hits, but ultimately it's getting better. Right. And um, I think that's what you and I fundamentally agree on 100 percent. But I think you execute it so well in DFS because your plays are so and your prop bets as well. You've had some monster prop season that you've hit, haven't you? Yeah. You've been so contrarian to groupthink and public opinion. Yeah, like you mentioned the bets there. If you go back to week two of our show, um, 
I'll just give it a little plug now. Touchdowns for Dio, everyone. Um, Do it. Just going, um, going, go back to week two, listen to that show. I mean, that's that's the good thing with all of our shows as well. They're timeless. You know, you can go back and listen to every single one. And, you know, there's something you'll learn on every single episode. But in week two, that was the week I had the Tony Jones hit. He went in for two touchdowns. I had the bet on it, 125 to one. Um, but there was a process behind getting to that bet, which is, you know, which I explained that in the week two show. Um I saw he got elevated off the practice squad. Their running back depth chart at that time, they had no Alvin Kamara. The running back depth chart was Javante Williams. Um, and that was about it. So it was like Tony Jones, I mean, Javante Williams was never going to get 100% of the workload. That's, you know, right. never going to happen. So Tony Jones, there was a pathway there for him to see some work and potentially get into the end zone. And thankfully for me, he got into the end zone twice. I, I did luck out a bit. Javante got injured in the game. Um, Jamal Williams, sorry, I keep saying Javante yeah. Williams. <laughs> That's <laughs> the Broncos one. Um, but yeah, um, Jamal Williams did get injured in the game. So yeah, I lucked out a little bit, but you know, the, the the process was behind it. And I explained that in the week two show, like I say, but literally you could go back over any one of our shows through these eight weeks and you will learn something, I, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think even if you have never played DFS before, especially if you've never played DFS before, or if you've been playing for a while, but you don't, you're not cashing regularly enough. I think that's that's the key, right? Is ultimately don't follow just what people pick. It's looking at what the process is behind it. And that's how you build long-term success. Because if you can understand the game that you're playing and the margins and errors that you can find, especially the edges, um, by moving away from groupthink and coming up with something different and contrarian, yeah, yep. you're not going to cash every week and you're not going to win every week. But ultimately, when you do win, you'll win bigger and you'll have a much better margin of success so um completely agree and i think one of the things that you're doing at the moment that's almost like a public service <laughs> um to big it up a little bit is is the fact that you're highlighting betting companies and the offers that they're putting out and i don't, don't want to spoil too much because you cover this in much greater detail in your show and people should yeah. go and listen to it but you're highlighting that there are bookmakers out there who are offering offers and promotions that don't win and ultimately there's a reason behind that do you want to share a little bit without giving too much away because i want people to listen to your show especially on this topic yeah so i obviously i like a bet um you know like like a lot of people do um but i i you know i've noticed over the years that a lot of these companies were offering these boosts so to speak um which um i wanted i just thought i'm going to track these just see how they do over the season um Spoiler alert, it's not been very successful for them. Um, but um, Well, it's been and, successful for the betting company. It's not been well, yeah, successful it's been, for yeah, consumers. It wouldn't have been successful for the consumers, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's just... Uh, the betting companies get bad name for good reason. You know, um, I'm sure people have seen some of my tweets recently. I've been... I mean, I must be on Bet365 watch list because they're just... Any bet I put on now, they have to refer it to their traders. So I must be on a watch list with them. Um, they obviously don't want you to succeed. Um, see, I, I don't want to get into too much detail of it, to be honest. Yeah. My yeah, you it's, um, in good detail on your show, but we I do. Think... It's, it's, they get a bad rep because of things like this. And I just wanted to show people, you know, like, what, why the, why they're bad bets and things like that you know no, i don't bet accumulators for example anymore like i don't there's no point you, you that's what the bookies want you to do mm. and i think you know where, where you're highlighting it is these boosts these promotions which look enticing 
and to people who perhaps aren't that knowledgeable about the game but want to get into it or people who like a bet like you say put these boosts on think well that's attractive i can see the logic quote unquote behind it but as you say i think you mentioned that the touchdown treble on a particular betting company hasn't won at all this season it's not hit at once right and and you just i did highlight last night as well like the one from week eight for example was a six to one boost but you could get seven to one at betfair so how's it a boost yeah (laughs) so it just again it's it's enticing people to bet on their platform and misleading them thinking they're getting a better offer when actually they're not so there's two good lessons there if the bookies are putting something out there for you to bet on it's because they want you to bet on it so ultimately just be a bit careful do your research not saying don't bet it but there's a reason it's out there so make sure uh you look into it and the second thing is price might price mark that that against every other betting company make sure you're getting the best price on it i have to say i've got a general rule if a betting company want you to do something do the complete opposite Well, there you go. That's, that's my role. <laughs> Actionable <laughs> advice here on Fire Rush, as always. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's important. And I, you know, that's, I really wanted to highlight it because I, look, I don't bet. You know, I've not bet for five, over five years. And it's a personal thing, right? And it's not a bad thing. It's just I felt enough was enough. And I stopped enjoying sports because I bet on it too much and I didn't lose yeah. anything. I didn't lose my house or anything like that. You know, it was not a significant thing. It was just, it got to the point where the betting took over the enjoyment of the sport. And I just went, nah, I'm, I'm out. I just rather enjoy the sport. And that that's a personal choice. And um, yeah, I just think people just willy nilly give money to bookies. <laughs> I think it's just about being a bit sharper and, and people like you are out there doing consumer advice work because effectively yeah. people don't check these people just think, Oh, well that looks good because so-and-so has scored four of the last six games or so-and-so, you know, this looks like a good matchup yeah. on paper. Oh, well, I think this might work. And then actually there is a reason why they put this together. It's because they don't want you to win. Bookies put these bets on because they don't want you to win. And it's it's just, it's just very dangerous content, you know, like me and you are, you know, quite savvy, so to speak. Um, but yeah. look, you know, like people have got addiction to gambling, you know, mm. like it's not, it's not, a, it's not something to be laughed at. Like, no. And things that, and things like this encourage it. It's, it's very, I, I just call it's what I was calling it on the show last night. It's dangerous content. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it. It's, it. it's set to trap for people who don't know they're being put into a trap and it's not giving them fair advice. And ultimately it's, it's about fairness. It's about putting a point of view across. I'm not against bookmakers making boosts or bets or suggestions um but there has to be the right context that that's laid in and as you say at times it's it's not and it is dangerous content as you say and people who you know just get caught up in it and it doesn't land yep. and you just think okay it's time to start and you gotta hold them accountable as you said the touchdown travel oh and eight this season <laughs> you know it, it says well, it, it all so someone did say to me it goes back to the middle of last year for the last wow. time it, it hit so so you're looking at like double digits. Yes. So yeah, you're looking at what, 15, 16 in a row. It's not here. I mean, that's, that's, that's disgraceful really. If it's that bad, it's like, yep. uh, you know, you got to start thinking and you're going to start thinking negatively about it. So there you go. If, uh, if nothing else, if nobody gets anything <laughs> else out of the next like 45 to 50 minutes of the show, <laughs> you know, just don't trust the bookies at their word. 
um just do it because you're really but also check out jack's show because it is amazing and like i don't bet but i still find tips and advice that you give actually well, and i don't play dfs i don't play dfs because yeah. i don't i don't bet but ultimately i still find tidbits and things that make me sharper and it will make you sharper in season long it makes sharper in dynasty but it will also make you incredibly sharper if you play dfs and uh, you're doing great work promoting the new uh, fantasy game day app as well and um, thank you the games on there so uh you're giving people advice and i know people have won i know matt cullen friend of yours and eyes in the show um yep you know took down his first ever week and that's because he listened to your advice so i can't give the show a high enough praise or plug so uh, do check out um and i love everyone on there you know if you've been listening to this network for a few years um nick and mark were on here originally um but it made sense to to join you and i'm glad that you guys are producing the content you are because you're doing great work so uh thank you i appreciate it and i know the community does and more people should definitely listen um but let's get into last week um there was it was an interesting week. Obviously, we had a lot of injuries. There's been a lot of things happen. Trade deadline, you know. I think you and I were pretty confident there wasn't going to be anything too significant from a fantasy perspective yeah. that was going to happen. Uh, Josh Dobbs being the surprise, I guess, because I think I don't quite get this. I talked about this yesterday. The scheme fit doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I don't quite understand why that happened, but whatever it's happened. <laughs> but you know, if you believe Derek Henry was going to go, and if you believed. Uh, you know, the hype that the NFL media train wanted you to believe um, for offense trades it didn't happen. And it wasn't going to happen. It never happens. It has never happened no. in any year previously. And I like how NFL media were trying to group transactions from like five weeks ago <laughs> into like the trade deadline, like JC Jackson. Like, oh, yeah, he's back. At, he's back in New England. Yeah, yeah. He signed after like week three or four. Like, that. that's old news. <laughs> he's been back been playing. Like, yeah, you list seven transactions and three of them have happened in the last like in, in like four weeks, three weeks ago. Like, so you have four transactions and most of them defensive. So, regardless, uh, but we did lose Kirk Cousins to season ending at Hillary's tear, which is a nightmare. And then we inherited Josh Dobbs, which is terrible. We lost Jimmy Garoppolo to being crap. Um, yeah, I don't think that's a bad we- thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it is for some fantasy, especially Superflex in particular. And yeah. then we've lost uh, Josh McDaniels, um, Dave Ziegler have gone. So there's been quite a bit of change uh, since uh, since last week. But what were some of the things in terms of from week eight that really sort of surprised you from some fantasy uh, points of view? Tony Pollard's usage. Um, mm. I had a lot of Tony Pollard in DFS last week and the usage put me on full tilt. I'm going <laughs> to admit now um so the cowboys were up by 30 points at halftime and pollard through the whole game just got 53 yards um he played just 65 percent of the snaps that was the second lowest percentage of snaps that he'd seen all season um rico dow played a season high 35 percent of the snaps (laughs) and Tony Pollard is um, fifth worst in NFL in brush yard over expectation. Um, to put it into, you know, he's around, basically he's around guys like Latavius Murray, people like that. Um, I'm very concerned for him. I'm I'm wondering if it's still an injury issue, issue from last year, where he's still coming off that injury. Um, or is he just dust? Does he, does he, was he the one who needed Zeke around? 
Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I think it's a combination of a few things. There's definitely something up that the coaches and staff aren't being honest with. Um, he's already amassed um, 160 touches this year in seven games. Yep. So it's a significant pace. He's on pace for like 370 touches. Uh, no, maybe not like quite that much. Let me do the maths quickly. Um, be good if I use the right button. Uh, he's on pace for 388. Oh, I wasn't that far. 388, 389 touches, which isn't going to happen, right? That's not going to happen. Nobody sustains that kind of usage. Um, I think the pack, uh, I think the Cowboys have come to this realization of that whilst they're not taking anything for granted because we're less than half a season through, especially for them, they are going to make the playoffs because the NFC is that bad. They're not going to win their division, but they're going to make the playoffs. There's either the fifth seed or the sixth seed. I think it's been tossed between them and Seattle. Uh, Whether or not people are openly admitting that in, in Dallas. So I think they've got a good back in Rico Daddle. He's shown some ability. I think they're going to start capping Tony Pollard's usage ultimately. And I think he's probably not 100% because this yep. three of the last four weeks, less than 10 fantasy points. I definitely think there's a thing there. But I think they ultimately, last season, we saw the Zeke Pollard combination. I think they want to go back to that. I think they want to give Dowdle some work between the 20s. I still think yep. Pollard will get all the high value touches. I still think he's going to be an RB1 for the rest of the season. And I actually think it's good news for Tony Pollard. Because ultimately, if he goes on pace for three, nearly 390 touches, he's going to break. So actually, I don't mind in games where there is a blowout. Yes, it's annoying from a fantasy perspective as fantasy owners. And yes, he's not hit that 10-point mark. But ultimately, I don't want him blowing out in the championship weeks. Yep. If you've got Tony Pollard on your team, your fantasy team is probably in good shape for the season. It's probably not. You're probably at worst 500. So I think actually it's a good thing that they're trying to cap his usage a little bit, but not. But last week was too much probably. But ultimately, I think they're playing safe with him. But they're not. Put me on full tilt last week. I'm going to admit it really did. I I played a lot of him in DFS, um, and then I just uh, obviously perfect game script environment. Up thirty points at halftime. You think right? This is just going to be run the hell out of the ball now with Tony Pollard. and yeah. yeah, I mean, 53 yards, no, nothing in the receiving game. Just, I mean, they just kept going to CD Lamb the whole game. They were just burning that Rams mm-hmm. defense, um, the CD Lamb. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I do have slight concerns with it. And just, maybe you're right. Maybe he gets a bit of a boost towards the back end of the season going into the playoffs for them. But that's not going to help anyone as a fan, any fantasy managers out there, is it? No, I, I still think he. I still think he's a top twelve fantasy bat for the rest of the season. But I think the the big weeks that he got very early on in the season, I think they're gone. I think unless he breaks off big runs, I think the 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 twenty five plus point weeks are dead. I think they are realistically dead. So I think in DFS, I would you know I don't play, but I would find it hard for a guy who I can see role shrinking and potentially being capped. I don't see the value in playing him for the value that he's going to cost. I don't see it like for the rest of the season. And I think in the fantasy playoffs, he will come good. The schedule's not bad. I don't, but again, I think the worry I have in the fantasy playoffs was with someone like Tony Pollard is we get to like week 15, week 16 and the Cowboys have stamped their place in the playoffs. 
because that's a very realistic outcome because the NFC yeah. is is quite bad. And if it's the case of the Eagles have run away with the division and there's no division title to play for, they're effectively playing for fifth versus sixth seed. I don't think they're going to care. I just like fifth and sixth is not a big enough difference. You're playing on the road. You know, the only advantage you might have is if you get fifth, you get to play the winner of the NFC South, which is a crap division. And it probably is like a buy. So it's not a bad, maybe that's a prize worth winning maybe, but yeah. uh, Yeah. I think it's going to be a tough one um, to play him. I think I've saw some sites where they've got him as like rest of season three, four. I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And I've yeah. said this in previous seasons, I've talked about players who are on historical high touch uh, touch counts. We always see this regression second half of the season. He, uh, you know, 160 touches in seven games is, is significant. It's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Yeah. No, it is, so yeah. I don't, I don't see him getting, and as you say, he's not run the ball brilliantly, you know, uh, as you say, rushing yards. They keep running him up the gut, don't they? As well, that's the you know, and he's not. Yeah, he's. I, I don't think he's that. For me, he's not that type of runner. But also, the big difference in Dallas last year was they had Kellen Moore, and they were a yeah. hyper efficient offense, especially in the red zone, and especially rushing in the red zone. They were a hyper efficient, like historically one of the all time best teams in the red zone and rushing in the red zone. There was always going to be a regression anyway. Then you lose him, you lose Kellen Moore. And you put in, you know, uh, it's not Schottenheimer, it's in, um, I was getting mixed up. Can't remember, but I talked about him earlier in, in a <laughs> previous show. And it's just, you know, it's it's basically the the uh, McCarthy offense of the Packers from 10 years ago. It's the same offense yeah. with the same similar-ish personality. And he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. So right. we know it's a pretty ploddy, pretty pedestrian offense that, Yes, looked amazing against the Rams, but that's because CD Lamb is amazing. He makes plays, yeah. and but that Rams secondary is awful. <laughs> and it is; it's a terrible. It was just a, a yeah. dream matchup. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that. Um, one of the things I was surprised about—I don't know about you—was I, I. We knew that Kenneth Walker was banged up, and we knew that Zach Charbonnet might be an uh, increased role. But and I, I've been saying for weeks I thought that there might be some snow on the horizon that eventually he might become a uh, a thing in this offense. But I didn't expect him to run routes at fifty eight percent of the snaps. I thought that yeah. was a, a really significant way of saying, okay, I now see how they're going to use Zach Charbonnet. Were you a bit surprised by his overall usage? Or uh, yes and no. I mean. Kenneth Walker's got a soft tissue injury, I believe. Um, and Charbonnet's work come in the second half, most of it, didn't it? It was the second half of that game. Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm not surprised as that. Um, Do I see that going for? I mean, this, Pete Carroll's a weird one, isn't he, with running backs? We've seen this in the past with, you know, when you had Chris Carson, uh, Thomas Rawls. Do you remember those days? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, the guy was just, you know, flip-flopping all these running backs around. And um, what I do like with Seattle is that they will ride the hot hand. So, if Char- mm. like, you know, Charbonnet obviously proved to them that he can carry that rock like he did against a good Cleveland defense as well in the mm. second half of that game. Um so I, I think it's probably more of that and more to the fact that Kenneth Walker is dealing with a soft tissue injury, which is, you know, 
something to monitor definitely going forward that yeah and as i said on yesterday's show and i'll say now what i just said for tony pollard goes exactly the same for kenneth walker a guy who's on a ridiculous touch rate um i'm gonna pull it up um but again he's been quite inefficient this year though hasn't he kenneth walker yeah he's not been yeah he earlier in the season before the injury kind of soft tissue injury you mentioned he he was definitely more efficient and he's stepping backwards. So yeah, we're talking about Kenneth Walker has 145 touches. So not quite yeah. as many Pollard, but still a significant amount. Um, and again, that's over seven games. So again, he's on pace for 350-ish touches. So again, I see the same scenario. The Seattle Seahawks are going to make the playoffs, barring an injury to Geno Smith and they end up having someone really stuck at quarterback. True um, lock. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I can't see a scenario where the Seattle Seahawks, other than that scenario, I can't really see a scenario where they don't make the playoffs again. And I think they challenge Dallas. I think they're five and six. They're not going to win their division. The 49ers will win their division. So again, it's just a question of making the wild card. They're not going to be the seventh seed because the seventh seed will limp in. So it's going to be between those two who's going to be five, who's going to be six. And I think again, you're going to see a drop off of Kenneth Walker because they want to keep him fit for the playoffs yeah. and I think you're going to see an increase in Charbonnet because Charbonnet drafted him high he's a he's a high value pick they see him um as a valuable piece of this offense and I, I compared Charbonnet to a Richard Penny of last season light not quite those explosive weeks but I think you're going to see Zach Charbonnet have these weeks where I think he will outscore Kenneth Walker but I think it will be down the stretch, I think you'll see it 50 50 50. And then I think you might see Walker yeah. tail off a cliff. Um, and if you're an owner of Walker for the fantasy playoffs, I would be marginally concerned. I would um, be trying to sell him, to be honest. Yeah, I think exactly that. I think if you can get out of the kind of Walker business now, yeah, I think that might be uh, something to do because I do think Zach Charbonnet. And if you've got Zach Charbonnet sitting on the show, hold him or try and trade for him live because I think there you're going to see a spike week come. Yep. Yeah. Week 13, week 14, and I think he could take over. And it's not because of talent. It would just be because of opportunity and preserving Walker for the playoffs. Yep. No, sure so, anything else that sort of surprised you in week eight? Um, I don't know if it surprised me. I thought this was going to happen anyway, but Javante Williams looks like a... I'm not going to say must buy because we hate that word on our show, but um, I think he's a buy going forward. Um. I think he could be a potential league winner going down the stretch. He looks healthy, mm. sort of. Oh, <laughs> I am trusting Sean Payton here as well. So that's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for the Adam Troutman experience next week that we're going to see probably. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I do like Javante Williams. Um, I mean, it was a season high snaps, wasn't it, account um, last week. So yeah, I do like him going forward. I don't think it, it wasn't a surprise to me though to see it. Yeah, it was. It was to me. It sort of, it wasn't. It wasn't. I called it because of the the game and the weather, and um, you know those aspects of things were why I thought he had a significantly high role. I still, again, we're talking about players who haven't been efficient. Javante Williams hasn't been efficient. Jaleel McLaughlin is the player on that roster who is. I just don't trust Sean Payton to give him the workload. I think he, I, the one thing we, I think we'll both agree is Shimaji P Ryan is not a thing. Like he can go yeah, off any roster. That I think, that, I think they tried to trade him, didn't they? Anyway. On yeah. The, um, and that one took him. Down, you know. um, 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens and trusting that Broncos historically bad offense will be interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I tell you what was surprising to me was to see Mike Boone getting uh getting snaps like i thought we were done with Mac, mike boo but apparently he keeps coming back he's like one of those um zombies in shaun of the dead that just no matter what just keeps coming back and um he's now come back to really if nothing else just ruin damian pierce and damian pierce fantasy owners because he well, yeah it's ridiculous no i was gonna say i think the writing was on the wall with that anyway from the previous week devil devon singletree out snaps um Damien Pierce anyway, didn't he, the, the, the previous week. So they clearly don't want to give Damien Pierce the rock. And But yeah, I, I mean, Mike Boone in 2023, I don't like I can remember yeah, him I, being a dynasty darling a few years back. <laughs> exactly that, right? So like in week in week eight, Damien Pierce had 43% of the snaps, Devin Singletree 40% of the snaps, Mike Boone had 17% of the snaps. But Mike Boone's root run rate was the same as Devin Singletree's, 31% compared to Damian Pierce's 24. Damian Pierce still had the most touches. It was 10 to uh, 12 to 10 to 1. But ultimately, Mike Boone got a target. Devin Singletree got two. Damian Pierce got none. Mike Boone is just going to just water this down even more to the point where I don't want any of them. Like, yeah. if you can get out of, and I tried to get out of it and got caught a few times uh, earlier today, trading Damian Pierce if you can get something usable for him get him out of your roster because he's he's finished don't pick up single cheat that I saw so much advice in week eight of picking up Devin Singletree and I was like why why would you add him he's not going to take over the role he's going to at best be a 50-50 part of a team that are going to let CJ Stroud throw the ball 50 times a game the thing is, they like to use Tank Dell in rushing scenarios as well, don't they? The Texans. So, like, it's, it is, it is like, it's, it's a mental backfield. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats here. Like, Damian Pierce, 46 yards, single tree, 30, Tank Dell, 15, yeah. CJ Stroud, 13, Mike Boone, five, Andrew Beck, one. Oh, yeah, but he got both. He got both the goal line carries. So he <laughs> scored. So he didn't get in on the first. Oh, one. wow. So they gave yeah. the ball back to him on the very next play, and he got in on the next play. So he's <laughs> like the goal line back. Just to really, just to really mess with it. Yeah, just to really mess with the situation. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about Andrew, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, he watched the game, and he was like, yeah. So he he didn't get in on the first carry, so they gave it back to him, and he got in on the next carry. And you just think yeah. that says it all because they wanted. They and I, I get it. Like actually, from a coaching perspective, I really love it. It's we've invested the second overall pick in CJ Stroud. The only way CJ Stroud gets better is to play and to throw the ball a heck of a lot. And we don't give a crap what he does this season. Like we don't give a crap. He throw the ball 50 times a game, 
see what happens, let him get through his progressions, let's just let him get good. Like, ultimately, you get good by doing. And they're like, well, we if we lose 14 games this season, which they're not going to, so be it. Yep. Like, we don't care. Because we're going to... They believe in him long-term. So they've just... Instead of putting him in a position to fail, they've gone out there and said, hey, don't worry about turning the ball over. Don't worry about... Throwing. And he hasn't thrown that many interceptions. I think he went first... No. Five games, he didn't throw one because he's been given that belief and that confidence of we don't care. Like if you throw a pick, it doesn't matter because we believe in you long term. It's like learning through doing. And I think I love the the Texans for doing this. More should do it. Like they're not putting the pressure on it. They yeah. took all the pressure off and just said, go go nuts. And I think it dilutes the backfield and makes the backfield unworthy. But yeah, I think no, you're one hundred percent right though with this backfield. If um, if Damian Pierce is not getting it done against the Panthers, then it's time to it's move never. on because the Panthers have given up a ridiculous amount of touchdowns to running backs this season. Yeah, <laughs> the fact they're giving it to Andrew Beck says says it all, right? So yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing I was going to mention was uh, Trey McBride's thirty eight percent target share. Whew. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's monstrous. That, that touchdown, I don't know how that, as I said on our show last night, I don't know how that play did not get called dead when they literally scrummed him into the end zone at the end of that <laughs> game. <laughs> that, that was mental. But yeah, um, I, I it, he was a big favourite of ours in our DFS group, actually. We were all on him. He was dirt cheap on DraftKings. He was $2,800, which is way too cheap. So, like, I, I have a little rule with my I play free max and I lock three guys into um all three lineups. He was one of them guys. Like I was just like, I don't care, this guy's getting locked in and you know, he like you say, the target share was there since Sackerts has gone down, you know, he's he, he's getting all the work and I, I think it's something to monitor though with Kyler Murray coming back. Yeah. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, we know he's gonna be back, probably not this week, but probably the week after it looks like he'll be yeah. back. But I think five of the eight games this season, the tight end has had 10 or more targets, whether that's Zach Ertz or, or now Trey McBride. But yeah, it's they clearly have a plan. <laughs> and it's to throw it short <laughs> or get so it to... So, so you're saying uh, TJ Hawkinson's about to go off, about to go nuclear <laughs> in the second half of the season in, in, for the Vikings? Well, it's kind of... <laughs> do you know what? Logic-wise, logic it suggests yeah. that is the case. Josh Dobbs is so anti what Kevin O'Connell wants to do in Minnesota. I don't get yep. it. Like, this is what I mean from a scheme fit. It made no sense. Like, <laughs> we've got, we've invested in all these big weapons. And what we've done is we've removed the run game. Since he's been there, we've let Dalvin Cook go. We don't trust Alexander Madison fully. So, we, yes, okay, we bought Cam Akers in, but we're going to give him a restricted run game to move the chains. But ultimately, our main goal is to get the ball vertically down the field and we're going to give it to Jefferson or Addison yeah. or Hawkinson. And that's what they've invested in. Big weapons going downfield, making plays. And then they go and get a quarterback who has got absolutely no interest or ability to throw the ball down the field. <laughs> like, Jameis Winston made sense. Even, yeah. even Carson Wentz, who I'm not that big a fan on, would have made some sense because he will throw the ball. Even Matt Ryan yeah. from the booth. Hey, give him a call. I know he's probably his arm's dead, but he can probably still hoik it further than bloody um, Josh Dobbs can. Like, I've not seen anything this season that suggests Josh Dobbs is going to get that ball downfield to Jordan Addison, to Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, I think maybe TJ Hawkinson might go nuclear because 
I can't see where it's going to go vertically outside the numbers. It could go to the running back, so can it? Like you could, um, I, I think Akers think will take over. I think Akers does take over that backfield sooner rather than later as well. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. He, again, we're talking about running back efficiency. He's one of only three running backs who are averaging a yard per carry under expected <laughs> <laughs> with Ramadri Stevenson and Rashad White. So, yeah, in theory, that should work out. But yeah. I still actually think they could lean Matt. It could it'd be interesting, but I do think both those guys are massive hour ups in the Josh Dobbs news. Um, yeah. Any, what's your sort of, do you have a main learning from last week you're taking away and applying to this week's lineups and going forward? Um, Not really. I mean, just, you talk, are you talking DFS wise or normal fantasy? Anything, anything at all, any lessons at all, both um, either. For General DFS wise, I need to get away from late swapping. So for people that don't know what late swapping is, um, you'll put someone that's in the nine o'clock games out time uh, in the flex spot on DraftKings. So you, you can, if your lineup's sort of doing okay, um, but you want to get off a bit of the chalk in the mains in the uh, in the late in the late slate there, um, you can swap onto someone else and. Unfortunately for me last week, I swapped off of the Gus bus and and Trey McBride to in one of my lineups, which was very uh, this this lineup was a big heavy game stack of Jalen Hurts, um, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, and I brought Logan Thomas back on the other side, so that the, the team was going nuclear anyway. And then I swapped off Gus bus and Trey McBride uh, to who did I swap to? I swapped to Isaiah Pacheco. Which was no. a bad, bad move. And... But 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 it made sense rationale with the game script, with the the yeah. weather and everything. It, it, logic wise, it made sense. Yeah, I, I just wanted to. I wanted to get off the Gus bus, for example, uh, because I just didn't trust him. I don't. I don't, I don't yeah. trust that Ravens running game anyway. Um, but Nick was on it. Like he was saying, oh, you know, I think he'd be fine against Cardinals. And, you know, Nick was proven right. I was proven wrong. I went to Pacheco because I just wanted the safer floor of Pacheco. I thought Pacheco would give me that safe floor in that game. Like yeah. you say, the game script environment was perfect. But so, yeah, I need to, within my DFS process, I need to trust my gut and um, move away from, you know, I put them guys in there initially at the start of the day because I thought they'd do okay. And I need to stay away from late swapping. It cost me a bit of money. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that, I think we're all guilty of that in in all streams of things changing yeah. at like five to six and uh, and whatever. So I'm with you on that one. Mine mine is literally uh, before uh, six p.m. on on Sunday. I'm going to say a little prayer to make sure that no more of my quarterbacks <laughs> or running backs get injured because it seems to be that I'm pretty much running like I'm in leagues where I'm rolling out Aiden O'Connell because I've got literally no. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. Um, it's it's definitely similar to last season where there's lots of running backs, a lot of um, quarterbacks getting injured. But unfortunately, the replacement level is so poor where literally yeah. you're relying on, like I think Sam Howe is the best option out there and he probably isn't out there anymore um, <laughs> in one QB leagues. In in quarter like superflex leagues, yeah, you're rolling out Aiden Connell or Jaron Hall. You dropped a you dropped a hundred dollars all your fab on Jaron <laughs> Hall in the Scott Fish Bowl this week. Don't, it's don't Taylor Heineke, you. actually. Taylor Heineke. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You did drop it on Taylor Heineke. Yeah, 
Hospital Which... Heineke, as his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I picked up Aiden O'Connell for 25 bucks. I mean, I felt pretty bad doing it, but I thought, well, there's not going to be any more. So, uh, because I had Jimmy Garoppolo as my QB3. So I'm like, well, I'm going to need someone. So at least, at least I've got someone that plays. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. So that's my thing is, is not so much a learning, just an action item. Just start saying a prayer, uh, cause I can't deal with any more injuries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I feel like I'll control it better that way. Um, <laughs> statistical trends. Uh, I so I've got a list here of a few. Do you have any that you want to get out of the way first of all? Like things that you want to monitor going forward from a usage perspective for certain players, or anything out there that you think is big? No, I mean I think I sort of said the one. I think the Javante Williams one was the one that I mentioned earlier. So um, yeah, I, I, the floor is yours, Murph. Ah <laughs> uh, well, I'll rattle through a few of these, and I, I'm keen to get your opinion on these. I mean, you've already given your seal of approval to Trey McBride, but he ran routes 86 percent of the time, season high. His previous was 51, which is uh, so quite a massive jump. Um, his targets per route run uh, is at 39 <laughs> percent. Which is massive. So effectively, he's the first read in that offense when he's running a route. So um, most of the time, which is a a really significant trend. So like you get this first read stat. I like it, but I prefer targets per route run because they're earned as opposed to uh, first read, which isn't always earned. Um, So yeah, he's just having a huge game. And I think it's going to be the same going forward. Um, I talked about Demario Douglas yesterday. Uh, some massive numbers: eighty-four uh, percent routes run, twenty-six percent targets per route run. Um, so Juju's not a thing. Uh, Devontae Parker's not going to be a thing. It's all about Demario Douglas moving forward. Yep. Uh, check your Quentin Johnston uh, because yes, he had twenty-two percent uh, targets per route run, which is season high across board and, and really good. Uh, but it's not a stupidly high number and then the 66 percent of routes in a game that josh palmer was injured like people are thinking oh he's here he's gonna really be a big thing now i'm checking it it's not bad it's a good sign but it's not it's not it's not enough to make me want to put quentin johnson in a lineup this week uh no all. i mean pa- palm, like you say palmer was banged up in that game wasn't he um yeah can't he come into the game banged up and then i actually sort of caught i, I watched because it was an hour earlier that game so i I watched sort of the first quarter of that game and then Palmer got hit on a play, like two or three plays in and then um, went down again, went off the field. He did come back into the game again, but yeah, he's quite banged up, I I think, at the minute, Palmer. So yeah, I I think that's definitely one to monitor with the Chargers. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. One guy that really impressed me on Sunday, even with Mitch Stravitsky throwing in the ball, was Deontay Johnson. 13.4 ADOT on his 14 targets and 188 air yards, which is the most of his entire career so far. So Deontay Johnson's back, baby. Like, I love this because I think he's already shown he's an elite receiver. He was the uh, most open wide receiver last year. So it tells you he runs really good routes, and now they're just going to target him galore. Like, if you're George Pickens' owner, you've had your day. It's going to be curved a bit. It's all going to go Deontay Johnson's way. Um, He, for me, is a massive buy-low candidate, although it might be hard to buy low on on last week's performance, but if you can, uh, I was going to say spoiler, spoiler alert as well. He's um, my number one captain option on DraftKings tonight. So there you go, listeners. You've got um, <laughs> you got a bit of that. <laughs> there we go. See, reading great minds. Um, Gabe Davis. Uh, this is really interesting. So watch the game against the Buccaneers. Twenty-seven percent target per route run, which is uh, good. But this is what's really key: six point seven uh, yard a dot. So. 
everyone thinks that Dalton Kincaid is like this going to be this big breakout candidate now. He had a good performance. First of all, Bucks can't defend tight ends. Haven't done for about three or four years. Like Todd Bowles is happy to let things go over the middle. We saw it in the Super Bowl. They won the nine. Travis Kelsey had a big game, but they don't care. They don't care about giving the ball up over the middle. It's more about stopping the big plays vertically and out wide. And if they can do that, they'll give you yards over the middle. And that's where Dalton Kincaid was always going to be a relatively good play. But it looks like Gabe Davis is getting a significant amount of the work that was vacated by Dawson Knox. So it's not exclusively all going to go to Dalton Kincaid, at least from this game. It might change, but I'm just going to halt the brakes a little bit on Dalton Kincaid breakout season in the sense of from from this A dot, it's saying they're going to use Gabe Davis a lot in this sort of small intermediary kind of role um, that has been vacated by Knox. So, well, they've just said they'd play off Lenny as well, haven't they? Now, the um, yeah, the Bills, so um, which is going to be probably their pass catching back, I would say. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Um, it could do, I think it would take some time to get up there, and I think it would depend yeah. on his attitude because he's got one of these players that if he's not playing, he's not a great. He's even admitted this himself. If you've watched uh, America's game when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, he yeah. talked about how he's not uh, like he just couldn't get into the mindset of not being a starter because he's been the guy everywhere he'd been. Yeah. And then going, getting cut from the Jaguars really dented him, didn't deal with it. Like Arians offered him, said, You can go. <laughs> like, you want to go, you can go. Like, I don't care. Um, yeah. And I think he's not quite used to not being. And I think it's really hurt him that he didn't get signed until week eight. Yeah, I think that's dented his pride significantly, and I think it will I, be interesting. I think I, he could earn that role, but I think it will depend on his attitude, ability-wise. He's head and shoulders above Tavis Murray. I, I just, just before you move on with the Bills, just the Bills in general here. We we mentioned this on the show each week about condensed offenses, trying to find the condensed. Like I, I think mm. the Ravens have become a condensed offense between zay flowers mark andrews and lamar jackson very easy stacks for DraftKings and things like that um mm-hmm. whereas the bills there's so much of it there that you've got Diggs, you've got davis you've got kincaid you've got Knox when he comes back because you've got these running backs like the running back mm-hmm. situation has a mess um and now you've Shakir. got Shakir as well exactly so it's it's a hard offense while they're all tied to one of the best quarterbacks in the game like best fantasy quarterbacks as well um it's a hard offense to get a judge on outside of Stefan Diggs. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I've got a couple of lines here. Dalton Kincaid, season high, 87% of routes, seven targets as the only active tight end. And then uh, Khalil Shakir, 73% routes as primary wide receiver three because the Bills went heavy on 11 personnel because they didn't use yeah. any other tight ends. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to see if they continue in 11 and Shakir gets a boost, but I think as well, game script really suited Shakir. Um, game script and matchup against the Bucks I, that really suited the way that they could use him because you know with Bowles, he's going to take Diggs out of the game as much as he can because he can scheme that. He's got the personnel and he's got the players to do it, but you can't cover everybody. And ultimately, Shakir was always going to look like a player who could come out of that with with something significant and and Davis as well. So. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's a difficult offense to project. I think other than Diggs, yeah. it's hard to bet on these guys being fantasy value every week. I think it depends on the matchups. I think if you get a good matchup, then you could exploit it, but it's not that always a good performance. Division, done my um, best balls the world of good time. <laughs> he was someone I've <laughs> kept drafting him at the end of every draft, every draft. He was just the guy I'd draft. 
So well, you nailed it. <laughs> I don't. I think I've got like one or two shares of him in best ball. Not much. <laughs> uh, I didn't want too much of the Bills third wide receiver, but uh, for the reasons you mentioned, it just didn't yeah. feel like you could trust it too often. But yeah, you will have no. the odd day where it works out. Um, Joe Burrow is clearly healthier than he was before the buy. Um, he was a lot more mobile in the pocket. Rushed for forty-three yards uh, off the five carries that weren't kneel downs. Yeah. Um, so, and he had fourteen rushing yards in his first six games. So uh, clearly, he's a lot healthier. You can trust him a bit more going forward. The schedule opens up for him. It's not good the next two weeks, but afterwards it gets a, a lot better. Your guy Javante Williams, sixty-three percent of snaps, um, which is the second straight week he's had that. Um, and he's yeah. the clear lead on the early down work uh, with 27 of the 32 uh, rush attempts, but he is splitting the passing down work. And I, I don't know how long he holds that role. I do think Jill McLaughlin will get a bit more, but I think between them, they could be fantasy relevant together. But I think the upside on Williams is capped. Um, he might, he might just the be show. the guy you need to get into the end zone at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, I, I yeah. said my <laughs> I said on the, on the Patreon cast that actually I think that Javante Williams is someone I'd be shipping um, because I just don't buy this offense. And, uh, you know, he's had terrible performances until the last two weeks. And I think it could revert back to tight, but I, I could easily be wrong there. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, one situation that's looking uh, slightly more gloomy is Royce Freeman sort of going almost 50-50 with Darrell Henderson. So Royce Freeman led in snaps and roots, and he was more efficient than Darrell Henderson. Um, even though Henderson had more touches. So I do think it, it, this is slightly closer to a 50-50. I think it's a mute point you've got this week and then you've got yeah. the bye and then you've got the following week and then Kyron Williams is back. So it's a two matchup in the next three. But uh, yeah, I do think Darrell Henderson is... I, the only thing I'd say positive out of this, if you're Kyron Williams or not, I think he comes in and obliterates them both. I think he literally yeah. will go back to... If he's fit, if he's healthy... Unless the Rams have decided, hey, we're just going to give up this season and we're going to rest Kyron Williams, I think he could come back and earn like almost all the touches again, like he did before. So, agreed. Yeah. The only reason he wouldn't is if he's not healthy or the Rams decide to sack it off and rest him, which would be the smart thing to do. But uh, they don't always do the smart thing. Uh, JSN, uh, 66% of roots. Um, so he fell backwards to his season average. He's got a horrific, he's got the worst, I wrote this up on Fantasy Pros, which is going to go live either tonight or tomorrow. Um, he's got the worst uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup of everyone on the board <laughs> this week. So uh, don't play JSN this week. Just avoid him like the plague uh, against Baltimore. Like he is not a play this week um, at all. So avoid him massively. Um, but he did have the first year game of at least nine yards per target, which is nice. But yeah, four targets. He had an air dot of zero, <laughs> which I think is impressive. Um, they keep um, mixing in the other rookie as well, don't they? Bobo. He, he's yeah, Jake Bobo. Looks good. Like, yeah, yeah, especially does, in yeah. the especially in the red zone as well. Uh, talked about Kenneth Walker and uh, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, Kenneth Walker only ran twenty nine percent roots, but again, we kind of covered that. Uh, Aaron Jones, 50% of snaps, so good because it was a uh, season high and he seems to be healthy, but he's clearly not all the way there yet, so just be a bit careful. Your guy, Saquon Barkley, 87% snaps in the game <laughs> where they wound up rushing the ball 52 times. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I, well, that game, how they kept it that close and, ne <laughs> and nearly won it, and they should have won it. They, I don't know how they lost it in the end, but um, I, I mean... 
Uh, I, yeah, I, it's not something I want to go back and watch. Put it that way. <laughs> Listen, I'm just, I'm just cannot believe that on my CV I get to put that I had more receiving yards than the entire wide receiver core of the New York Giants <laughs> in their Week Eight defeat to the, <laughs> to the Jets. I, like, I've never thought I could put a stat like that on the CV, but I can now because the entire receiving core got minus one and I got zero. So, you know. I, that- I think Dimes is back soon, as but like potentially this week, um, which would be better for the whole offense as a whole. And I'm not Daniel Jones's biggest um, biggest fan, put it that way. Well, I do have. There is, uh, if you follow Pat Doherty on Twitter, he did put out this tweet earlier, um, which I'm sorry to say I'm going to do this because you're here. The Giants and their 160 million dollar quarterback are 1.5 points underdogs against the team that just fired its coach gm offensive coordinator and benched its quarterback <laughs> they'll beat the raiders this week there you go there, they there should. goes my take they'll take beat the, the raiders point. and and play the raiders dst on DraftKings. there you go no, not the raiders yeah. the giants dst sorry. yeah giants DST. you but you get you get the giants plus one and a half right now <laughs> yeah well that's that's a good bet that's a good bet yeah Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the Gus bus. He had all five touches inside the 10, which was uh, for yeah. running backs, which is the third week in a row. He's had all the touches inside the 10. And yeah, those three touchdowns. So he's the full goal line back. Justice Hill, not clearly part of that uh, that role anymore. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, so he really sort of makes, uh, he's now really like messing things up in Detroit. So um, terrible news for Jameson Williams and uh, Josh Reynolds owners. And um, basically, we talked about teams with narrow stacks is where you should go. Narrow offenses. Yeah. Detroit's is far too complicated now. So you know the fact that now Donovan Peoples Jones is getting in the mix and he's going to hog from Williams, who's hogging from Reynolds. Like effectively, unless it's Amal Rasay Brown and Sam the Porter who have very fixed roles, that's a murky situation. Probably one best to avoid yeah. as much as possible. Even the um, running backs are going to be murky there going forward. Montgomery's back soon. And you, that you that they clearly, I say this on our show every week, they tell you what they want to do with running backs. So it's, yeah. it's a mess. Absolutely. Sam Howell took just one sack while throwing 52 times for 397 yards and four TDs, which is like impressive considering this was against the Eagles. Yeah. Um, so it's a massive thing for them. Um so I'm, you know, I think for them it's huge that he's out there. I said he's the quarterback to own now on the waiver wire on Monday. Clearly, is like he's going to give I you upside. Yes, gonna, he's going to have yeah. bad weeks, but ultimately he's a rookie. He's going to have bad weeks or second year player or whatever he is. No, um, but I totally agree with you. They're going to be involved in shootouts going down the stretch. Their defense now. I mean, Chase Young has gone. Um, Montez Sweat's gone as well. The secondary was awful anyway. So yeah. <laughs> they're just going to be involved in shootouts going forward. And, you know, he's looked impressive at times. And like you say, last week against the Eagles, that, that is an impressive stat line. Yeah, really impressive. And, uh, yeah, he's had two bad weeks uh, this season. But you know what? You just got to ride it. He's the best guy you're going to get um, if you've yeah. lost Kirk Cousins. And Adam Phelan, 11 more low A dot targets. Um, so, listen, he's going to be... He's going to be a guy that is going to get this sort of really crappy work that is going to be highly fantasy relevant in PPR leagues and and uh, DFS. So uh, it's just more the nod that Adam Phelan is a thing. He's going to be a continued thing for the rest of the season because he's clearly the Bryce Young safety valve, which is fine. So I'm I'm for it, but I'm just saying that some people don't like it. My best balls like it. 
There you go. My my Scottish ball team likes it as well. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that, I look, um, really appreciate you coming on, mate. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff here to break down. I think ultimately it was a bad week for the waiver wire. Um, I don't think there's too much going forward on the waiver wire that you can really sort of cherry pick. But I think from a DFS perspective, I hope a lot of this helps. Um, even though I'm not a DFS guy, I, I do think it's important to understand the matchups. Um, yeah. But appreciate you coming on. Tell everyone where they can find you, interact with you, where they can find the podcast and uh, and uh, anything that you've got coming on the next couple of weeks that uh, is going to be uh, well worth people tuning in. Uh, so you can find me on the Twitter or the X, as it's now known, um, at Jack Humphrey DFS. Uh, the podcast is Touchdowns for Doe. Just search for that. It's in my bio anyway, so just head over to me and you'll find me there uh, and the podcast there. Um, yeah, we've got a good couple of weeks coming up. Next week, we're going to be doing something that we've wanted to do for a while um, in regards to contest selection in DFS. So. Um, if you're struggling with DFS, if you've been playing it a couple of times this year and perhaps you're not winning a lot, um, we think we can get you on the right path with the contest selection segment that we're going to have on next week's show. It's going to be, you know, and as I say, go back and listen to all the other shows. They're all they're all timeless. There's no picks and things like that in there. They're all all strategy based and full of useful information. Absolutely. Not to mention you guys are all brilliant. Uh even Mark, who did compare me to some form of mafia boss a couple of weeks ago, um, <laughs> when you have Ben Isaacs on, which I recommend people to go and listen on. If nothing else, it paints me out to be some kind of amazing uh, undercover hitman type <laughs> bloke, which uh, is, couldn't be further from the truth, but I appreciated it. I didn't even bother to correct too much of it on Twitter, except for the one or two things, um, simply because it made me look a lot better than I actually am. So I was happy. <laughs> You should hear what he calls me anyway, so don't, I don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know. I love Mark's pieces. He's, a, he's an absolute gent. Um, but look, Rush Nation, appreciate it. It's been a lot of good uh, shows this week, a lot of content to digest. Uh, tune in tomorrow for the Fast Action Friday, guys. Um, but you've got, you know, four or five shows already this week in the can. So stay tuned join, and join those. Also, as I mentioned yesterday, you can join our Patreon just for a pound a month and you can uh, get access to the strategy pod in even more detail. I go on for about an hour and eight minutes this week about all the different strategies and tips that you can use to get into your playoffs. So make sure you subscribe to that. Um, and don't forget that this show is brought to you by Manscaped. So make sure you check out manscaped.com and use the code five yard rush for 20% off plus free shipping. But from Jack and from me, Thank you very much, as always, uh, for joining in and interacting and liking and subscribing the pod. Uh, but until then, Rush Nation, don't forget, as always, keep rushing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 